0: Okay, if we judge ourselves, what happens? We don't get judged. That's good news. What if we don't judge ourselves? We don't really want to find out. Am I right about it? Yeah. Brother Joe, are you saying we have to confess every one of our sins? Okay, here's my next question. Why are there that many? Really? No, we're not talking about looking for things that are not. But we're talking about being true to what you see and true to what you know. And if you and I are not true to what we see and what we know, you know what? Eventually, it's going to hurt. All right. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And let's go on. And by the way, next Tuesday will be our last. JKMI meeting of the year and it will be our last partnership offering of the year. So prayerfully uh, ask the Lord about your part in partnership. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, "Now whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. Forgiveness is important, isn't it? Yeah. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ, lest Satan should take advantage of us. All right, what's one way he takes advantage of us? Through unforgiveness. That's obvious from the context here. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Right, so the Bible and the Lord and the Holy Spirit, they don't want us to be ignorant of the devil's devices. Okay, but nonetheless, uh, we know this, he has devices and in some cases he succeeds. True? In some cases he succeeds and it's not because he has power over the Christian. It's because the Christian gives him power through failure to walk in the light of redemption. All right, I wrote this down, that the devil takes advantage of the ignorant, those who don't know. He takes advantage of the complacent, those who are lazy to act on what they do know. And he takes advantage of the proud, those who reject what they see and what they know. They don't judge themselves. All right, now let's go over to Luke chapter 6 because this comes as a tremendous revelation to me. One of Satan's greatest tricks, Luke chapter 6, is to try to get us to take the place of judge. Why would he do that? With the hopes of getting a judgment against us. He's a legalist. Are you here? He can't just do whatever he wants to do. It's not a matter of praying harder. It's not a matter of more prayer and praying harder. No, no, no. A lot of times it's about alignment. It's about submission. Amen? Luke chapter 6. Right? He's seeking whom he may... Are you here? I said he's seeking whom he may devour. Means he may not devour everybody. It means he doesn't just look around and think, who am I going to jump on today? "Mm, She looks tasty. I'll jump on her today. He looks tasty. I'll jump on him. No, he can't do that. He can't do it. Not big enough. Out of his legal parameters... I mean, if he did something like that, I guarantee—I don't know what goes on in the realm of the spirit, but I guarantee you there's a big angel there to whop him. He can't do it. He has to operate within, within legal bounds. That's why he's an accuser and he's always trying to build a legal case against us so that he can get a judgment against us. But we've learned lesson number one, if we judge ourselves, we won't be judged. That's why we more readily subject ourselves to the Father of Spirits. With no condemnation, whatever we see, we can go straight to the throne of grace. None of the devil's business. And here's the thing. Whatever the Lord reveals to us, we feel so exposed, but He saw it anyway. It's only then that we saw it. All right, Luke... Are we friendly today? Yes. All right. Sometimes I feel like there's a look of suspicion, like, kind of like, is this for real? Can we really try? I mean, I mean, how many verses do you need? I mean, and I apologize for not preaching some sort of sloppy, irresponsible brand of Christianity to you, but I'm not going to do it because the Bible should make sense. Luke chapter 6. All right, Luke chapter 6. Let's see what Jesus said here. Verse 36. He said, therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is, what? Merciful. Didn't we read scriptures that say the Lord delights in mercy? And we're going to see other verses that say mercy triumphs over judgment. It's always the heart of God to show mercy. So verse 37, he says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Oh, it's making sense. I thought Jesus said that because that's what good Christian people do. They don't judge. Be a good Christian, stop judging. No, no, no. Remember this. The son... Jesus Christ the Son, He didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the world might be saved. So everything He gives us are saving words. We could say it this way they are sparing words. And so, in other words, Jesus is saying, Hey, spare yourself. Don't judge. Judge not, and what will happen? Hey, You won't be judged. Guys, I'm done judging. I'm done judging. You said, yeah, it's about time. See, now you're judging. See, I mean, (laughs) see, that's our problem. But I'm so excited because I'm done judging. I don't know if I've been a very judgmental person or not, but I know this, any of it's bad. And I don't have to do any of it. And if I'll let the Holy Spirit help me, he'll show me areas where I'm really judging so that I can get it out so that what? I'll escape judgment. I like that. I like being healthy. I like being happy and victorious. He said, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and what? You won't be condemned Forgive and what? You will be forgiven. And then verse 38, right? We like verse 38 and we quote it all the time about how we give. It'll be given to us, right? Right? But these other verses are also profitable. Give and it'll be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. With the same measure you measure, it'll be measured back to you, right? I mean, he's still talking about the measure, you measure it out, right? Make the rock as big as you want, but that rock's coming back on you. It'll be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? All right, so now let's go over to Matthew chapter 7. Can anybody tell me why we should not judge? Hey, so we will escape judgment. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, he said, Judge not that you not be judged. Now notice verse 2. For with what judgment you judge, uh uh-oh, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. So when the devil baits us, tempts us to step out into the place of judge, and how do you know we're getting into judge when the finger comes out? Criticizing, fault-finding, When the, devil, when the devil baits us out, he's trying to get us to take a place of judge and release a judgment. Because whatever judgment we release, that's how we're going to be judged. And the devil's looking to hang you with your own judgment. Right? There's legalities in the realm of the Spirit. There's certain things he can do, and there's certain things he can't do. And when we get into the place of judge and we start judging others, then the devil, the accuser can say, oh, up! Oh, there's the judge right there. They've established the measuring stick. That's the measuring stick right there. And the Lord, what can the Lord do? Without repentance, the devil has access. All right, I'm done judging. Judging leaders, criticizing leaders, criticizing anybody, judging anybody. Now, let me go ahead and say this regarding judgment, because the Bible doesn't contradict itself. There are things the Bible says about judging in 1 Corinthians 5. We're not going to go there yet. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about judging. But what he's dealing with there, he's talking about dealing or judging matters, not judging motives. There are certain matters that are clearly wrong and must be judged as wrong. But you can judge a matter, and we have to judge matters for our own protection. We have to be able to look at something and say, that's wrong, and that's wrong for me. And I'm not going to get involved in that. So we have to be able to judge matters. And as leaders, we have to be able to judge matters, particularly in the church, of what's right and what's wrong. Because matters that are not judged, they spread, and they hurt innocent people. All right. So we judge matters, but we don't judge motives. Meaning what? We might judge a matter and say, this is a matter of right versus wrong. This is what's right. But what? I don't condemn the person. And the reason we don't judge the person, we don't know what's in them. We, we really don't. We really don't. We should never judge somebody. We don't know what's in them. We don't know what they see. We don't know what they know. We don't know their background. We don't know what their thought processes are. We don't know what was in their heart. We don't know what their true motive was. We don't know. Just like nobody really knows us. Nobody really knows. So we're not supposed to take the place of judge. We judge matters, but we don't judge motives. The word of God judges our motives. And we judge ourselves and we judge our own motives. Isn't it true we often judge others based upon what they do? And we judge ourselves based upon our intentions. But should be the other way around. We should give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe, they, obviously they don't know. Maybe they don't see, they don't know. I don't know, not for me to judge. I don't know what he sees. I don't know what he knows. I'm not the judge. But you can still judge right from wrong. And we should judge right from wrong but we don't condemn. That's different than condemning people, criticizing people, tearing down other people. Right? You can stand for truth without judging. We should stand for truth. We can stand for truth in our nation. We can discern between right, what's right, and wrong in our nation without judging leaders. Back to verse 7, or verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not, what? That you be not judged. Thank you, Jesus, for these saving words for my life. For with what judgment you judge, what? Here comes the judgment, you will be judged. You say, Brother Joe, what does that mean exactly that I'll be judged? I think let's not find out. Can you hear me? I said, I think, you you might ask, Joe, what does it look like? Brother Joe, what does it look like when I'm judged? You know what I say? Let's not find out. Do we have to taste it to know what it tastes like? If it's bad, let's just stay away from it. Judge not with the judgment that you judge. You will be judged with the measure you use. It'll be measured back to you. All right, verse 3. This hits close to home. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't consider the plank in your own eye? Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? (laughs) Is Jesus being funny here, or is he telling the truth? So what should I be concerned about? I should be most concerned about the log in my own eye. Okay, how about the log in your eye? All right. All right, amplified version. And why do you stare from without at the very small particle that's in your brother's eye but don't become aware of and consider the beam of timber? That's in your own eye. Verse 4, back to the New King James. Or, how can you say to your brother, how can you say, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? But look at what Jesus is saying. How could you even say to your brother, let me help you with that? Because unless we judge ourselves, we're not even in a position to see clearly to help our brother. Yeah. And how many of you know, if we live to judge ourselves, how many of you know, then we're in a humble position really to be able to help somebody? Verse four, how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First, everybody say first. First, First, right? First things first. What should we do first? First what? Remove the plank. (laughs) Remove the plank. Is it possible I might have a plank that needs to be removed? You're not supposed to say, you're judging me. No, but is it a possibility, I'm just joking, is it a possibility that you or I, we might have a plank that needs to be removed? And is that plank more significant than the speck in our brother's eye? According to Jesus, it is. First, remove the plank. Notice verse 5. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then what? You will notice these words, see clearly. You will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Thank you, Jesus. These are saving words. All right, go over to Romans, the second chapter. I got a spiritual song. I'm done judging. I ain't judging anymore. I'm not the judge, but one day I will judge. The Bible says one day we will judge, but right now we're not the judge. That's beyond my pay grade. Romans chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. What's inexcusable mean? It means you don't have an excuse. Once you release a judgment, then you don't have an excuse. For in whatever you judge another, what do you do? You actually condemn yourself. For you who judge, what? You practice the same things. You practice the same things. What does it mean? But you might say, well, I don't do what they do. Are you kidding? I don't do what they do. But what do you do? Have you ever violated light? Have you ever violated something you knew that was right to do? Then what? You practice the same thing. And besides, you don't even know what they saw or what light they did see. So judging others brings condemnation on ourselves. So the devil's trying to get a judgment against us. That's why sometimes you feel supernaturally tempted to open your mouth and say something. You ever felt that way? Have you ever caught yourself? It's a happy day once you catch yourself. Doesn't it feel power? Don't you feel powerful when sometimes you say, you know what? I'm not going to say. Doesn't that feel good sometimes? When you actually have power and you know you exercise your own power to keep your mouth shut. Right? The accuser is trying to get a judgment. But if we don't judge, he can't judge us or can't get a judgment against us. All right, so let's talk about what is judging, all right? So of course, judging is what? It's criticizing, fault-finding, condemning. Uh, James chapter four gives us some more light. James four. So let's talk about this for just a minute. So again, why do I judge myself? I judge myself for my own benefit. Is that clear? Right? And why do I not judge you or judge others? I don't judge you also. Why? For my own benefit. Ding, 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 ding. Keeps me nice and clean and clear. Ah, Happy, healthy, strong and bright. James 4 Oh, and this whole chapter is powerful. All right, verse 5. It says, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace, more grace. So what's the conclusion? Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to who? The humble. The humble get the grace. Therefore, what? Submit to God. Then what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right? That's why walking in love is so powerful. Love is our New Testament command to protect us. When the Lord deals with us that we're not walking in love, you know what we can do? We can, we can repent. We can adjust. We can ask for mercy. We can say to ourselves, hey, I'm walking in love now. And then we can say to the devil, take off, devil. I'm walking in love. I'm walking in love with my spouse. I'm walking in love with my kids. you got no place in this family. I'm walking in love with my brother. I'm walking in love with my church mate. you got no place in our business. No place. You can know with certainty that you're walking in love and you can declare out of your mouth, no devil, no place. I'm walking in love. But if you fail to walk in love, you know what? That's our New Testament command. You fail to walk in love, you know what? The devil's going to hide in the darkness, and eventually he's going to bite you. Right? That's why we don't want to have strife in our homes. Are you, are you here? Right? That's why we want to repent when we say a, a, a harmful word. Are you here? Or a hurting word. Or a condemning word. Right? We don't want to give the devil any place. Right? We don't want to put our kids through that. We don't want our kids to have to live in a strife-filled environment where demons can rule and reign and make their little bodies sick just because we're too proud to humble ourselves. The curse causeless shall not come. Let's not give any cause for the curse. Let's walk in love. Let's forgive one another. Let's put away hurtful words. Now, I wrote something down that I think will be helpful right here. Let me read it to you. This is regarding the repentance of others for restoration of relationship. Because we were talking about, remember, a humble man and how he admits where he's wrong, he admits his mistake, and then he confesses to whoever he's wronged, he receives his forgiveness, and then he adjusts as necessary but regarding the repentance of others for the restoration of relationship. Because, guys, sometimes repentance is absolutely necessary for a relationship to be restored. But listen to this. An apology is not owed me for forgiveness. Regarding human relationships, an apology is not owed to us regarding our forgiveness. But an apology may be absolutely necessary for restoration of relationship meaning that no matter what somebody does to me, whether they apologize or they don't apologize, they don't owe me an apology, I forgive them anyway. Yeah. But however, for the restoration of that relationship, an apology may absolutely be necessary so that I know what they know and what they understand so that I can be sure, hey, I mean, it could be an abusive relationship. It could be an abusive marriage, for example, right? I mean, uh, Uh, if one spouse is abusing another, let's say a wife is abusing her husband physically. Okay, it's usually the other way around. But in any case, whether the husband acknowledges it and repents or not, she should forgive him for her sake. In order for her to forgive, he doesn't owe her an apology. However, for the restoration of that relationship, What? We're going to have to hear an apology. Because an apology means you know and you understood exactly what you did. And I can be sure that you're not going to hurt me again. But if you don't acknowledge what you did and confess what you did, then how do I know? For all I know, you're going to do it again next week. You hear what I'm saying? But guys, no matter what, nobody ever owes us an apology. Did you hear me? I'm trying to save you. I'm trying to spare you. Nobody owes you an apology. I didn't say you have to go back together with them. But still, for your own sake, we forgive. Forgive, 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 forgive. They don't owe me. Nobody owes me anything. I'm not going to hold anything against anybody. But if the relationship is going to be fixed, then what? They're going to have to go on record and say something about what they did so that I know they understand what they did. Is that clear? I hope that helps you. The Lord gave me that for somebody. Okay, James chapter 4, are you there? Woo-wee! Are we having fun now or what? Right, guys? That's why communication is important. Don't use this thing in your home that... Hey, hey, you should forgive me. You should forgive me. No, 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 no. Seek to understand why the person is upset. Please. Don't use that as a cover. Hey, you should forgive me. No. We should judge ourselves. As much as depends on us, we should live peaceably with other people. As much as depends on us. Right, let's seek to understand one another. Let's seek to listen to one another, right? A prideful person, they just want to do all the talking. A humble person will listen. All right, did you find James 4? Shout hallelujah, somebody, hallelujah. The Lord is fixing things, isn't he? You know what? He wants us to understand. He wants to help us get things really fixed. He wants us to have beautiful marriages. True, He wants us to have beautiful marriages where we're not afraid to communicate with one another. He wants us to have beautiful lives and ministries, right, where we forgive one another, where we don't judge one another, where we believe the best about one another, where we can determine between right and wrong and judge between right and wrong without what? Without judging the person without maligning the person. What is judging? It's criticizing, right? It's fault-finding. It's condemning. James chapter 4, look at verse 10 now. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what will He do? He will lift you up. Verse 11, do not speak evil of another brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother, what? And judges his brother. So we learn this, that part of judging is when we speak evil of another. Ouch, everybody say, ouch. Ouch. Don't speak, let's look at it again. Do not speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of a brother, what does he do? He judges his brother. What's the problem with that? What's the problem? The problem with that is what? Now I've taken the place of judge, and now what? I'm open to judgment. And that's a place I don't want to be in. Right? These are more than just nice words for good Christian conduct. These are words of life to keep us safe, to keep us secure, to help us to walk in real victory. Again, verse 11, don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. So also I learned this, that anytime I step out into judge, fault finding, criticizing, evil speaking, I know this right away, I'm not a doer. Because the truth is, when I focus on being a doer of the word, doer of the word, doer of the word for myself, it's a full-time job, number one. And number two, beyond that, I'll have compassion on others because I'm aware of my own weaknesses. Okay? Verse 12, there is one lawgiver, one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Who am I to judge another? I'll tell you who I am to judge another. I'm not the judge. Everybody say, I'm not the judge. judge. All right. Let's look at a few of these verses here. Everybody say, evil speaking. speaking. All right. Everybody say, evil speaking speaking. is judging. judging. I don't want to judge judge. so that I won't be judged. judged. 2 Peter 2 and verse 9 It says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment, verse 10, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed, and are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Right? This is a classification that we don't want to be in. uncleanness, despising authority, presumptuous, self-willed, and what usually goes with this, not afraid to speak evil of authorities. We don't want to be in this crowd. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and be ready for every good work next verse. Notice verse 2, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. To do what? To speak evil of no one. Next verse. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures. Everybody say, truth, Lord living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Truth, Lord, next verse. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, but which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, We should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. It says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and what? Evil Evil. Evil speaking. What do you do with it? Put it away. Be put away from you with all malice. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all what? What do we do with it? Lay it aside. Everybody say, lay it aside. Lay it aside. Everybody say, evil speaking. Evil speaking. I, have no use for you. I have no use for you. You do not profit me. You, do profit me. you don't help me. You don't help me. And, you don't me and you don't make me feel good. Honestly, Brother Joe, it feels so good. I know, but you do not make me feel good. It feels good to the flesh, but be sure of this, it comes with penalty. And that's a penalty we're just not interested in. All right? Have you ever heard yourself say, I wouldn't have done that, or thought? Have you ever heard yourself thought or say, I would never do that? Well, when we do that, we create a measuring stick. And Satan will do his best to hang you with it. Luke chapter 18, look in your Bibles, Luke chapter 18. Ha, 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 a happy song. I'm not the judge, and I'm done with judgment. I'm happy and carefree and blessed because I mind my own business. Somebody should write a happy, no judge song. I'm free from the accuser, he has nothing on me. I judge myself, and I don't judge you. Luke chapter 18. Don't you like my singing voice? (laughs) Luke 18. I sing better when I'm in the spirit. All right. Luke 18, verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, and they were righteous and despised. Notice this what they did what? despised others. What's that? That's judging. Looking down on others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, churchgoer, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God wasn't even in his prayers praying all by himself. He's full of himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men. Have you ever felt that way? That's a judgment. We want to stay away from it. Thank God I'm not like them. I would never do that. Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this tax collector, I fast <laughs> twice a week, sometimes three times a week. I added that. I give tithes of all that I possess and offerings too. I added that. All right, sorry. And the tax collector, standing far off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. So notice this, taking the place of judge is exalting myself. This is Satan's trap to get us outside of healthy boundaries, to step out of bounds into a place that's not our jurisdiction. You know why we don't judge? I'll tell you we don't judge. Number one, we don't judge because it's not time for judgment. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Everybody say it's not time for that yet. Right? As far as judging men's motives, judging their heart, determining if they're guilty or if they're innocent, you know what? It's not time for that. That's one of the reasons I don't judge, because it's just not time. It's not the time of judgment for that. There is coming a time, but now is not the time. Premature. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 Paul said, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. It's required in stewards, moreover, that one be found faithful. But with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. So what's Paul saying to them? He's saying, hey, you, know, you can judge me if you want, but you know what? I don't even pay much attention to your judgment. You know why? You're not my judge. Of course, we judge ourselves, but ultimately God's the judge. I'm gonna stand before him. He knows everything. And there might even be things I don't know, but I trust his righteous judgment. I don't even judge myself. Verse four, for I know of nothing against myself, yet I'm not justified by this, but he who judges me is the Lord. Verse five, therefore, judge nothing before the time. Everybody say before the time. time. All right, so one of the reasons we don't judge is because it's not even time for judgment before the time. Who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal, what? The counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from God. So he says there is, it's not judgment time yet, but there is coming a judgment time when the Lord will actually look in and reveal the thoughts, the motives, and the intents of our heart. And then the Bible says that God will even praise some. Wow, that's a cool judgment. Some people, God's going to stand up and say, hey, well done. That's pretty cool, the praise of God. Everybody say, it's not time to judge. judge. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 9, woo-wee, I have one less thing to do in my life. What? What's the one less thing? I don't have to judge anymore. One less thing to be bothered with. And sometimes people come to you, they'll say, hey, Brother Joe, what do you think about that? What do you think about this? Or What do you think about what they did? Or what do you think? And you know what I say? I have nothing to say about that. Why? I'm not the judge and it's not the time for judgment. But don't get me wrong. You will be tempted to weigh in on the matter. And you will be supernaturally tempted by the devil to weigh in on the matter. People will even come to you. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And that's when you need to say, you know what? I think I don't think much about it. Yeah, you'll be a killjoy to the conversation, but you'll be healthier. Well, what do you think about what the president's doing? What do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Well, you know what? Uh, As far as I see in the Bible, my duty is to pray for him. So I'm going to continue doing that. That's my role and that's my place and that's what I'm going to do. I believe he has the wisdom of God. Woo-wee! I like that. Your friends won't, but I like that. doesn't make for good family Christmas conversation, that's for sure. Bummer, you know. But make for a healthy, a healthy life and a healthy family. All right. Okay. I feel like the Lord's digging around in some things right now. I feel like there's some piles of trash. He's moving the trash away to get down to the buried treasure somewhere down in there. I feel like he's doing some of that. I don't know. All right. Praise the Lord. We have this treasure in earthen vessel. The problem sometimes is that earthen vessel. The flesh gets in the way. Some the flesh likes a good, juicy story. Isn't it true? And if you watch too much of the TV, too much of the news reporting today, you know what? It's this person against that person, this party against that party, this judgment against that judgment. And people say, what do you think? Let me give you some advice. Don't enter in. Spare yourself. Spare yourself. We judge matters of right and wrong, but we don't judge people. All right, where are we? Hebrews 9. Everybody say it's not, time for judgment. it's not time for judgment. All right, Hebrews 9, verse 27. It says, And as it is appointed, this is an appointment, it is appointed for men to die one time, once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, right? Again, verse 27, and it's appointed for men to die once, but then what? After this, the judgment, right? So judgment time has not come yet, right? We're all going to die eventually, right? We have an, each one of us, unless the Lord tarries and we go up in the rapture, each one of us has an appointment with death, praise the Lord. Happy thought, huh? Yeah. But it's true. Nonetheless, each one of us has an appointment with death. And then after that, we have an appointment with judgment. The good news for the believer is we have a judgment called the judgment seat of Christ. Different than the judgment for unbelievers. If you go to the book of Revelation and read towards the back of the book of Revelation, you can read about the great white throne judgment, which is the judgment for for the, the unbelievers and the outcome is not good. The books were opened. All the books were opened of everything that anybody ever did. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. And they'd go through there, and they can't find their name in the book of life. Voila. So there's no, they're not in the book of life. So what are they left with? They're left with the book of judgments. Everything they did, everything that everybody has done on earth will be accounted for. Unless you're a believer... Jesus washes your sins. Whatever you recognize you've done, you can go to the blood of the lamb. You can go to the throne of grace and you can confess it. But you go back to the book of Revelation, you read it. So there is a judgment for the unbelievers, right? And so what? They will be judged. And there will be judgments given based upon what they did. And ultimately, the lake of fire. But there will be an accounting. Nothing hidden in this earth will remain hidden. Nobody gets away with anything in the end. How many of you are thankful for mercy like I am? Thank God for mercy. So what? If it looks like somebody is getting away with something now, you know what? I mean, it'll all come out eventually. Right? Beyond this life is not the end. It's just the beginning of eternity. All right. 27, it's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Everybody say, after this. All right, so why I don't judge? Number one, it's not time for judgment. All right, the second reason I don't judge, another very good reason, simply, I'm not the judge. Romans chapter 14. hallelujah Hallelujah. judge is not part of my job description i've been relieved of my judge duty romans 14 i'm wondering if you will give up your post also (laughs) now you have to judge matters of right and wrong for your own protection you have to be able to look at a situation and say, hey, that's bad behavior and that's wrong behavior, and that's behavior that will not profit me or help me. So I'm gonna stay away from this behavior. It happens to be this person is involved with that behavior, so I'm gonna separate myself from that person. I'm not gonna judge the person. I don't know why they do it. I don't know what they see. I don't know what they know, but they're involved in that kind of behavior. And for me, I judge that behavior. I know that behavior's not wrong. It's not profitable. It might be lawful for me, but it's not edifying. It might be lawful for me, but it's not going to help me, and I don't want to be brought under the control of it. I'm going to judge that matter for my own protection. Right? And that's why even if you look at the guy that was judged in 1 Corinthians 5, the guy was judged in the church because he was having having a relationship with his stepmom. So imagine this. The guy and his stepmom, they're serving in the church. And working in the church and helping in the church, carrying on in a relationship, the guy and his stepmom, and nobody's saying anything about it. So when that stuff is so blatant and it's obvious in the church, it has to be dealt with and it has to be addressed. Otherwise, that will spread. And that behavior, not only is it wrong, but beyond wrong, it's harmful. It's harmful to that brother and the woman he's involved with, and it's also harmful to anybody that gets involved in it. How many of you know sin has a payday? And it's not good, and the Lord, once again, would spare us. So leaders, you know, you can't be afraid to judge matters in the church. And in fact, you must judge matters in the church, right? And in some cases, you have to say to the brother, hey, you know, this behavior is wrong. It really can't continue. And uh, if it's going to continue, then you're not going to be able to come here anymore. You're not going to be able to come here anymore. You have the opportunity if you want to fix it and get it right. We'd love to have fellowship with you. But if you're not going to fix it and you're not going to get it right, we can't all act like it's okay for the sake of others. All right? Okay, thank you, Lord. So Romans 14, everybody say, I'm not the judge. And you can read on your own time. We won't go there today, but you can read 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6, and you can just read it for yourself. And Paul talked about such a one being delivered to Satan, being delivered to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that what? His soul would be saved. So we can see, even in God's judgment, there's mercy. But later on, he writes in 2 Corinthians, he said, hey, hey, you put this guy out. Hey, it's enough already. You should forgive him already. All right, read it, study it on your own. But I just want to introduce these things generally so you get the concept, okay? All right, everybody say, I'm not judged. Romans 14, let's go over there. Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Look what it says, who are you to judge? Who are you? Everybody say, I'm not judge. (laughs) Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Indeed, look at this, he will be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. And down to verse 10, but why do you judge your brother? why do you show contempt for your brother? Notice this, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, right? So this is the judgment for believers, not the great white throne judgment where the books are open and the book of life is open and the names are not in the book of life. So they're judged according to their works and they get the ultimate second death which is the lake of fire. That's not this judgment, but this is the judgment seat of Christ for believers. A different judgment. And I don't know all about it, but I know 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tells me more about it. Well, let's go on here. We shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Verse 12 again, so then each of us shall give account of himself to God. All right, so there is an accounting day coming, right, where we're going to answer for our life and what we saw and what we knew answer for the gospel, answer for the plan of God, answer for our portion of the plan of God. We're going we're gonna to give an account for those things. And Jesus brings those out in different stories throughout the gospels. I don't know if they're parables or what they're considered, where he talks about, you know, um, different talents being given out. And then an accounting day came, right? And, and they had to account for what they'd done with what they'd been given. And based upon that, uh, eternal rewards were passed out. So... Praise the Lord. (laughs) It's a heavy subject, right? (laughs) It's weighty. All right, I'm not the judge. James chapter 4. I told you this is life-changing. When I got this, I said, my life is never going to be the same. I mean, of course, we all know don't judge. We all know that. But now I'm aware of why I don't judge. And now I'm trusting the Lord and believing God to even help me to know when I've stepped over into judgment. Because the devil wants to rope you with a judgment. And one way he can do that is if he gets you to take the place of judge. It might not happen overnight or immediately, but eventually. James chapter 4 Shout hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah. We're making a lot of progress. James chapter 4. Look at verse 12 again. There's one lawgiver who's able to save and to destroy. Notice again, who are you to judge another? Look at the Amplified Version, verse 12. There's one lawgiver and judge who's able to save and to destroy, the one who has the absolute power of life and death. But you, who are you that you what? You presume to pass judgment. Everybody say, I'm not the judge. Right? To take the place of judge is to be presumptive, not our place. Right? So who is the judge? The reason I'm not the judge is because I'm not qualified to judge. But there is one who is uniquely qualified to judge, and that's Jesus Christ. Look at John chapter 5. Uniquely qualified. The Father is not the judge. You know why He's not the judge? Because then somebody could say, hey, you don't even know what it's like to be a human but there is one uniquely qualified to judge. John chapter 5, verse 22, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son. All judgment to the Son. Hebrews chapter 2, The Lord has really helped us today, and I'm grateful. Hebrews chapter 2, this is a big, big meaty steak, and you're eating it well. Hebrews chapter 2, this is big boy food if there ever was. Nice job. Hebrews 2 and verse 14. "'Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, likewise shared in the same.'" What's that mean, flesh and blood? He became human. "'Shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he, Jesus, does not give aid to angels.'" but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, what he had to be made like his brethren, he was made like us, that what? He might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted." Jesus is the one uniquely qualified to judge. Why don't I judge? It's not judgment time. Why don't I judge? Secondly, I'm not the judge. So what's the revelation today? The revelation is I won't be judged if, number one, I judge myself. And I won't be judged if what? I stop judging others. So what do I do? I judge myself and I don't judge others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at this, James chapter 4. Here's one reason we don't judge. James chapter 4. But let's read verse 13 again, because all this runs in context. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. In other words, hey, I got plans. The Bible says, whereas you don't know what'll happen tomorrow, what is your life? It's a vapor. It's even a vapor that appears for a little while and then phew, it's gone, right? Cemeteries will preach that to you, right? Okay. Just drive by the see all those grave sites. What? Came and went, came and went, came and went. Here no more, right? Life's a vapor. It's here for a little while and then it what? It vanishes away. Verse five, this is wisdom. Instead, this is what you should say. If the Lord wills, We shall live and do this or that. In other words, seek the Lord's will. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is what? It's normal. No, it's evil. It's evil. All right. (laughs) Verse 17. Look at verse 17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. So look at the words right there. Therefore, to him who knows to do good, notice this, and does not do it. Look at these words, to him. Everybody say to him. So for that guy who sees and doesn't do it, for him it's sin. And why is it sin? It's based upon what he sees. It might not be sin for somebody else, but to him, everybody say to him, it is sin. So there might be things to me based upon what I see, what I know that are sin to me, but they might not be sin to everybody based upon what they see. That's why I'm not qualified to judge because I don't know what everybody sees. And I don't know what everybody knows, right? What is sin? Sin is simply the violation of light. When we see, when we know, when we understand, and we do the opposite. Sin is the violation of light. And so sin is different things to different people based upon what different people see and understand. Amen? That's why we are no longer the judge. Let's walk in the light as he is in the light. And what will happen? The blood of Jesus will cleanse us from all sin. You know what, guys? In these five Tuesdays, we've been able to get into some outstanding things. I don't know if you know how good it is, but I sure appreciate it. Boy, you could have a life course on the last five Tuesdays right there. I want to encourage you to be good stewards of the Word of God. Don't be in a hurry to just put it away as another seminar, I want to encourage you, be thoughtful about what you're receiving. Be thoughtful about what you're receiving, right? Right? Because if you forget it and you don't do anything with it or you don't make use of it, the devil can take advantage of you. So, guys, let me encourage you. You strike while the iron's hot, right? While the light is shining the brightest. That's when you act because the longer you delay the light gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and so anytime the light is shining on any area of your life see right now I feel like I just sense that some people feel guilty but you don't have to feel guilty because the throne of grace is open the throne of grace is open so rather than feeling guilty in exchange what thank God for the blood of Jesus And go boldly to that throne, and then whatever it is that's bothering you, or whatever it is that you feel guilty about, or whatever that you've been made aware of in your own life, that you just can say to the Father, hey, Father, I recognize I've been doing that. I recognize I did that. And I'm here, Lord, to acknowledge what I see, and I'm here to confess it to you. Hallelujah. And the blood of Jesus will be there to cleanse, and there's no condemnation. And what? That thing was already paid for. Hallelujah. And through that repentance, you know what? You just made progress. And you just moved into a more fruitful and a more productive place in the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank God for mercy and grace. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And let's worship God for a few minutes and uh, this is a good response time whatever you're seeing whatever the Lord's dealing with you about and guys let me encourage you whatever those things are wrap words around them whatever those things are that you're seeing I want to help you because people they don't know how to repent they've only been taught to feel guilty the Lord doesn't want you to stay in shame he wants to teach his people how to repent And the way you repent is you wrap words around what you did. And you own it and you confess it. And it's not pretty to look at, but Jesus already paid for it. So you don't want to just say, I messed up, I messed up, I messed up. It's not very good. Make it better than that. Your deliverance and the mercy that comes to you will be stronger. The more you own it and the more you wrap words around it. Call it sin. Call it what it is. Call it exactly what it was. And the mercy and the grace of God will be there. And the devil will have no place. Amen. Go ahead. Let's sing that. Lead those guys.